Welcome back to Articast number number four. Myself, uh, Wallace Curry of Rural to Kitchen. Um, we've got a very interesting guest today and uh, a bit of history with this guest. We'll get into that later. Uh, today we've got uh, Flavian Obiero, if you want to, say, want to say hello there, Flavian. Yes. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is uh, Flavian Obiero, as um, you've heard. And yeah, we've definitely got a bit of history. We spoke back in July, is it July 2020? Yeah, it was July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The weather was so good back then. It's freezing at <sighs> all. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you're right. Um, and what, what what we're referring to there is a uh, for those of you that have followed Rural to Kitchen for well, God, that's nine months. That's six months ago now. Um, I wow. started. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, how well the world's not really changed. It's just been rubbish ever since. But the weather's just got worse. That's all that really happened. Uh, I started the sort of idea of people in farming and whatnot. And the first person I got in touch with was this gentleman here. Um, <clears throat> what a place to start. And it's, 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 uh, it's turned into some great things. The, the time I originally heard, heard of, of Flavian was on the Farmers Weekly podcast. Um, that's not me shouting out another podcast. It's not an ad or anything like that. Uh, but he was talking about some great things, and we're going to get into that later on. Um, but first, I'm just going to quickly give you some details on, on the podcast. Um, I don't know whether you're watching this on YouTube. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker. There's loads of them. They're all out there. Um, but what I'd love to do is, <clears throat> or I'd love to, to see, is uh, if you could follow on those. So if you watch, if you listen to your podcast on Spotify, if you could follow, if you listen or watch them on YouTube, if you su could subscribe. And a comment here and there is great and, and sharing it if you enjoyed it. Um, but we'll just, we'll not waste any time. Well, you're probably sick of me talking and uh, we'll get into who we're here to talk to today. So, Let's get a bit of background on yourself there, Flavian. Who 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 are you? What what's your story? <clears throat> uh, so I currently work in the um, pig farming industry in East Sussex. Um, I manage a pig unit in a village called Plumpton, and I say I got into the pig in the, or farming industry by accident, I'd say, um, because I used to want to do vet medicine and then got to a levels and i realized that i didn't really have the motivation to study and do vet medicine and so yeah ended up sort of flopping on my grades i'd say i got some c's and i did an animal management course in hampshire at a college called special college and the for that, so I took a, a year out before I went to Sparshelf and I was working for um, NHS back then as a medical lab assistant. So that was just, my mum didn't want me to do paper rounds or get any jobs in shops. So my dad got me a job in the local hospital. And um, because I still wanted to go down the line of working with animals and I hadn't had much, much experience working with animals. I got a week's life experience on a farm in um, in Hampshire. It's called a village called Upton Great, and yeah, so I did a week to work with pigs. I ended up uh, helping out with concreting all week. I didn't. I don't think I saw a pig <laughs> the whole week. <laughs> and then on the Friday, the farmer asked me what I was doing on Monday, and I said nothing. And I got a job, so I was doing Monday to Thursday on the farm, and then Saturday, Sunday at the hospital. And then I ended up doing Monday to Friday on the farm, weekend at the hospital. And then in the end, I quit the job at the hospital to do full-time on the farm. 
I got given a caravan on the farm and yeah, so that's how my farming journey started in 2010. And um, fast forward nearly 11 years now, still in it. Um, I'm still, still struggle with winters, still struggle with early warnings, but uh, I don't think that would change. So. <laughs> don't we all, don't we all. Yeah. No, it's, it's quite funny you say that. I mean, how, how many of us as, at a young age have, have tried to get some farming experience here and there at local places and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, you're going to be milking, you're going to be you know, working with the pigs, you're going to be lambing, whatever. And they're like, right, you go do the concreting, <laughs> you go do the building, whatever, the, the cleaning yeah. up. And I'll do it's important. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's just as important. You hear footballers and whatnot that are multi-millionaires saying they always started scrubbing boots and whatnot. And I think it's really good to come from that sort of humble, what would you say, beginning, that sort of thing. You, you respect where where you get to um, a lot more. Um, just a side fact uh, about uh, about Flavian is that he is a, an ex-contestant on Britain's Fittest Farmer. Um, I actually thought it was in the same one, but I, I, it was Britain's fattest farmer I get put into. But uh, no, <laughs> it's just a side fact um, about 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 you. But could I just ask one thing? I want to go into the sort of pig side of things and whatnot. But what did that involve? Uh, what did it? So, um, <laughs> so that I actually I, I didn't want to enter that initially. I just saw I, I saw it. I think last year was the second year. And up until about my full about two weeks before the deadline, I thought, might as well, there's nothing else on. We just had a lockdown was announced on my birthday. So I thought I'd just jump in and do it. So um, gyms were shut. So there's not much sort of um, training I could do gym-wise. So I just doing things on a farm, flipping tires. And when we got to the, the, um, the trials for it, um, it was nice sunny day, but cold. I think it was six, seven degrees that morning. It was on a bit of a hill. That's tropical. That's not. <laughs> the, wind, <laughs> the wind was cutting through me like there's no tomorrow. Um, so we were sent like uh, a pack of what the events are going to be. So we had, I think there was a 5K run. So I'd been doing a lot of running before. I did an, an accumulator last June, which involved running sort of, adding a mile every day. So okay. I ended up doing two half marathons and a marathon in June. I'd never run more than seven miles before that. So my running was not too bad. And yeah, so we had a, I think the first event was meant to be running and then lifting uh, and then some more cardio. And then I can't remember what the last one was. But when we got there, in my head, I'd, I'd trained to do it in that order. So when we got there, we get split into groups and it was jumbled. So I think we did a cycle to start with, like a cycle sprint and then carrying things about 50 kilos, 60 meters, a few of that. And then straight after that, we get into a 5K run. And that finished me. I think from, from that point onwards, with a bit of a cold, I was battling through it pretty hard. Um, but... Aside from that, it was a good experience. I met some really good people, um, good people on there. Two of which I've stayed friends with, um, Ben and Lee. Uh, Lee actually does the Flat White Chats um, podcast. I don't know if you've seen that about mental health. Like I have actually, no, I have to check it out. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good one. So we we we'd spoken before online, but we never met. So that was the first day we met. Went for a for a pint after, and I think the main thing about the event, aside from my body getting absolutely ruined 
was the whole thing of getting people together. Um, and um, yeah, just meeting up and having chats with people you never met before. And after that, you felt like you'd known each other for years. But uh, temp- tempted to do it again this year, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. And, and it's true. I mean, it's invaluable, mate, that sort of meeting up thing. I mean, <laughs> if you had you asked me that 10 months ago, I'd have said that. Asking me it now, I'm like, I need it. <laughs> like, I know, I know. Yeah. Missing that social interaction. Anyone that knows me quite well knows I'm a bit of a pack animal. I, I don't sort of work on my own. And uh, here I am working on my own, you know. Um, yeah. And it, it, it is tough. And I think that sort of meeting up in, in whatever circumstances is very important. But um, let's go on to pigs. Um, as someone who's been brought up on a farm and, and knows farming quite well, um, agricultural lecturer, hopefully I do know it quite well. <laughs> just realised I've not said that very well. But uh, yeah. yeah. One, one side of the, the livestock sector industry, whatever you want to say, that, that my knowledge is, is heavily lacking, actually, is, uh, is the pork sector, the pig sector, whichever you want to call it. Um, so could you could you give us a few, so just a bit of information about the pig sector in the UK, Fabian? It doesn't have to be too particular. And then also a bit about what you've got, what breeds you, what breeds you run, uh, yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I would say... Um uh, as a whole, uh, the rich pig industries has has taught me a lot as a as a person. Um, the from the people I've met since I've started to work in it, and um, uh, so I've, I'm part of the um, Young National Pig Association. So yeah, the people I interact with in there, and what we now we're doing doing Zoom calls and doing all those things. I've I've learned so much. Um, obviously, it provides the nation with things like bacon sausages i know that's quite a simple thing to put it into terms of to a consumer rather than more someone with all the nitty-gritty of genetics and feed or whatever the basic stuff like bacon sausage where that comes from i think people need to know that and um mm. uh yeah it provides a lot for the for the nation we also well not i say we not me but as a, as a whole bit the british big industry exports to countries like china at the moment um into europe we, regardless of what what's going on with Brexit. It's been made a bit harder. But uh yeah, historically, um exporting to yeah, the EU and um China. And I'd say at the moment, um it's quite a it's quite a tough time for the big industry at the moment because we have uh feed prices are shooting up. Uh like soya's gone up really high. Luckily I got my prices locked in back in December. So I'm smiling a little bit <laughs> because some people are paying a fair bit more than I am. Um, <laughs> so we're, yeah, we're facing the feed going up. Also, with Brexit happening, whatever deals were done politically, I try and steer away from the political side. Um, that's stinging us as well because um, a large part of the EU market for us was the uh, calcium market. So... Um, any females that get too old on their farm or they're not productive anymore, um, they get sent um, uh, to Europe for um, for processed meats like your salamis, your pepperonis. So, like at the moment, they're, they're priced through the floor. And just just before Christmas, I think um, uh, uh, some companies weren't even quoting a price because it's so low. And um, the plants in Germany were affected with COVID. Some of the plants were shut, so you couldn't you couldn't send any any um, uh, any cow sales uh, for myself because the price is so low. 
I've, I've got some animals that are seven, eight litters. Luckily, they're still producing well. But in my opinion, I don't want to send an animal and get 40 quid for an animal. It's just, one, it's unfair to my pocket. Two, I think it's demeaning for the animal. An animal that's provided you with litters for four or five years, you're literally throwing it away. Um, so yeah, those are a few obstacles we're, we're facing as an, as an industry at the moment. I'm sure we'll come out the other side um, fairly strong and keep it, uh, keep it going. With regards to the breeds I've got, we have the females are largely land race cross land race. Land race cross? No. Large white Actually. cross land. Race. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we've got we call a, it Euro land race. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no, no. Large white cross land race, sorry. And um, we've got a few uh, large white cross Welsh, which are some. Yeah are from previous management and um, there's a few that I'm attached to like one called Nibbles and her sister so yeah they're, they're going to stay till till the end I think um, with regards to balls um, we source our AI from a company up in Yorkshire and I've been using a, a large right based um, uh, ball for a while but then I swapped to a Hampshire based one probably about midway through last year just to experiment so um yeah they're coming through now and it's quite interesting going from having white or uh piglets in no color to now we've got stripy ones wanted um black spots so uh yeah it's pretty interesting when the students do come back uh yeah it'd be quite interesting for them to see a different a different um different breed of pig yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and the, the whole student thing. We're both involved in the education sector, and it's. I just wish they were on. You know, it's it's such a such a shame. But um, a, f a few questions, I guess, coming from that. So uh, you're talking about your sort of your cast sows is a major market. Um, what age roughly is is a, how many how many productive years has a sow got before that comes normally on average? Um, I think going back. Uh, when I remember when I first started, the, it was 2011, probably 2011, 2012, the farm I was working on, some, uh, I can't remember what the reason was, but they were coming out of pigs for a while. And I remember back then, you could almost get, I think, two to three sows, cow sows, could buy your guilt. So the price of sows was really high. So some people are almost breeding some sows, even two or three litres, and selling and starting mm. again. Whereas now, you probably need four or five sows, even six sometimes, depending on how big the sow is, to, to, uh, to replace um, uh, to replace the guilt. So I'd say that depends on um, on a farm structure. So for us or for me, like I said, I've got animals that are seven, eight litres on. They've never returned. They've never had sort of less than 11 piglets. They're good mothers. So I've got no reason to get rid of them. They're still producing fine, um, but some farms have a policy where when you get to five or what is with pigs litter, I'd say litter four, four, five, six are almost their best ones, and then they start dropping off. So okay. to start off with the first litter is normally quite um, are quite a big one, especially with these new genetics. So you've got a, a guilt giving you 16, 17 piglets, okay. and then there's uh, I'm going to call it a term that um, some guilds on their 
on all sales on their second parity tend to dip. So after having that really big, big litter in their first one, the second one they tend to dip. And I've seen a few my last or two last batches gills having six or sevens after having 18 or 19 in their first litter. But then after the second one, you got the sometimes third, but mainly fourth, fourth and fifth are normally their best ones. So some people, or most people keep them till about the fifth litter, sixth, and then them off of skull cells. So that will be, if you're you're serving a gill at 240 days, about eight eight months, um, hopefully she gets in big first time. Um, so by about for three months, three, three days, it's let's say four months, by about uh, a year, they're having their first litter. So you're having 2.3, 2.4 litres a year. You go for five or six, so that's what? Um, about five or six years old, um, yeah. they, uh, they sort of done their job then. Yeah, quite, quite similar to sheep, really, age-wise. Yeah. Yeah. But like I say, if um, we've only got 130 cells where I am, so if I can keep an animal for longer than six litres, I'll keep them. Yeah. Like they've almost paid for themselves by that point. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting what you said earlier. Like it's uh, selling that animal early for a poor price is, is is demeaning to that animal, which is a really nice take on it. Um, yeah, no, interesting. And I just wanted to clear one thing up. Um, for for those of you guys listening that aren't sort of from farming or 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 know about well the AI we're talking about, that's not autonomous intelligence. That is a. a <laughs> Artificial insemination. I just thought I should say that, and I just wanted to ask: Are, are all of your sows AI today, uh, Flavor, or are some uh, naturally serviced? So, all the ones I serve first time, i.e., or as in after weaning, I serve with AI. Anything that doesn't get in pig and returns, I'll use the ball because we've got balls here to teach students both. Okay. Uh, artificial insemination and natural service and I also find that with if a sow returns rather than me putting another 10-11 quid of um, uh, of protein semen I might as well use um, use a more that's there eating sort of yeah. quite expensive feed um, sort of they're more honey <clears throat> cheap as well yeah yeah no interesting stuff and uh, I guess the the only thing on pigs I've got left to ask, I try and ask things to cover all bases as there's folk that obviously know quite a lot about pigs, try and cover that, and also those that don't, <laughs> me. Uh, so, um, yeah, just just covering everything, the, the one further question I guess I had there was the, the gestation of pigs, three months, three weeks, three days, 114 days, give or take? Mm, uh, yes, yeah, depending on uh, whether it's leap year or not. So, like, the system we use always, always goes, puts the dates in a day, a day extra. I don't know why, but right, yeah, okay. about one fifteen, give or take. Like yeah, and uh, so obviously that leaves more time for um, like there's more than one hundred and fifteen days in a year. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, how soon after farrowing uh, can farrowing being giving birth in the big world? Uh, not speaking to you, speaking to the viewers. By the way, I'm not telling you. <laughs> <if farrowing is. laughs> like, just so you know, no. Um, yeah. How long after that uh, are, are they ready to be be in piglet again? So, um, in pig, yeah, yeah, yeah. in pig, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, after after the south flowers, obviously inside the body is getting back to back to normal. The uterus is 
uh, for me again, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we win at four weeks. Some people win at five weeks. Historically, some people have wind even as early as 21, 21 days to three weeks. But right. in the okay. UK, you can't win less than 21 days. Also, okay. from, a, from a cost point of view, you'd be spending so much money on the feed if you win over 21 days. If the feed is so expensive, the younger the animal. So, um, yes, yeah, so we win at four weeks, that's 28 days. So the animal getting wind at four weeks, within five days after weaning, the sow's ready again to be mated naturally. So the process of taking the piglets from the mother triggers a response in the body to get the body ready to get served again. So they start showing signs by about day three, even some of them. And then day four, I serve them at about day four and a half. And then, so day four and a half in the afternoon and then day five in the, um, in the morning. Because um, they've got a... Uh, like the optimum estrus is about 12 hours, like the okay. um, the period. So I try and catch that. So you could be looking at two and a half litters in a year, or no, aye, two and a half, two litters, okay. and then sort of starting the next process. Yeah, yeah, two and a half would be doing really well, I think. I think right. okay. average, average, I think it's 2.3, maybe 2.3. Right. Yeah, between 2.3 and yeah. 2. And uh, I'm sure everyone's wondering, uh, what what's the average, I think you said 16, but what's the average amount of piglets that, that you'll be having? Uh, average, I would say four, 14, 15. Okay. Um, there's one, we had one before that had 22. But then I think, it's the thing I think in the industry, and I probably will get, sort of shot down for this by some people but this is just an opinion is that i think we've gone we've got to a stage now where um the cost of producing pork is quite high like last month was quoted at one one pound 58 a kilo to produce pork right. so that's from birth to being ready for slaughter yeah. and then the price of um uh pork as of this week is less than 140 one pound 40 <laughs> so yeah. you're looking at that by the time the animal animals get on the lorry and they're going off the farmer's really making a loss essentially so i think <clears throat> a way a way to combat that whether it's been done on purpose or it's just how it's turned out if you've got an animal that's producing that many animals at least even if the price is low with high numbers somehow you're going to make some pennies somewhere. But mm -hmm. I'm thinking, as a stockman, I'd rather have an animal that produces, let's say, 13 to 15 solid piglets, bearing in mind most of the sows now are bred to have 60, at least 14 teats. Let's say a, a sow's got 16 teats. Um, I'd rather have an animal with enough piglets to even have a spare teat or two, just in case one gets bitten or something, rather than have, because with the 22, you've got a sow with 16 teeth. So that means you've got six piglets that don't have don't have um, teeth to suckle. If all the other sows are producing well as well, where am I going to take these other piglets? There's some people that can afford to have machines that um, raise these piglets artificially. Then you're going down the ethics road there. Some people could ask the question, why are you breeding an animal? that produces way too much that you can't look after or the animal can't look after themselves. 
And then, um, then having high numbers like that, like we, we, we had a match before that there was so prolific that we, I think we ended up winning, um, that match to win 13 or 14 per cell, but the mortality was 20 odd. So you can see there that the pre-winning mortality is 20 plus, which is high, but yeah. because had so many piglets, you've got like the one that had 22, nearly five or six of them were so tiny that like it's not even viable to keep the animal. You, you try your best, give them for colostrum, put them under heat lamp, you're spending so much of your labor there, your electrics, all that money is added on top of that 158 that you're already yeah. spending to raise a healthy animal. It just doesn't add up really. So I'm hoping yeah. we, in in a few years to come, we'll go away from the numbers side and just producing animals that are sturdy and solid. Because it's like if you look at the dairy side, having cows that can produce 11, 12,000 liters, that's fine. But what's their longevity? Compare Holstein to yeah. a to a Frisian. What's the longevity of a Holstein compared to a, an animal that produces a bit less milk, but is a solid animal again probably goes down to cost because if you're getting 26p a litre for milk you're going for volume to make money whereas if we're getting 35p a litre or 40p a litre and you're producing eight nine thousand mm -hmm. on a solid animal you keep the animal for longer and in the end it's it, it sort of all works out but yeah i think yeah we're trying to push the animals too much maybe i don't know yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Ruth Harrison said it in Animal Machines 30, 40 years ago in a book, and, and it's got more intense, and I believe it has got too intense. You know, I think there's, and this isn't me as a sheep farmer defending sheep farming, I think it's the only one that hasn't got ridiculously intense, um, yeah. but there is definitely intensive systems. But I think we've really got to consider that that animal is, is sacrificing its life or that the fact is in, in the case of dairy secondary products, it's being exploited for, for our gain, be that energy, food, whatever. And we've got to respect that. We can't push them into being a machine. That's wrong. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear that, to hear that from someone else. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, so yeah, we, we've been talking today, uh, Flavio and myself about pig production. Well, well, Flavian has been, I've been uh, tentatively listening and pretending I know what he's talking about because that is about all I have. Um, it'll be interesting to see as well on, on that side of things, uh, Flavian, what, what the case will be when Brexit happens. You know, I mean, we're, we're a heavily subsidy dependent industry um, and the fact that, you know, we expect such cheap food as food as the consumer, um, that it has, that, that fall has to go somewhere and that fall was the EU were paying sort of that that disparity there of price and, and I assume it's going to hit the pig industry as much as it's going to hit the beef sector, the sheep, the lamb sector, that sort of thing. Um, but just hopefully as someone who wants to eat, <laughs> uh, we get through it and, and I'm sure we will uh, just see how, how the end of the tunnel looks compared to what it does now. And that sort of mixed with the pandemic, who really knows what's happening. Um, yeah. But, but, I've got, got Fabian on top for two reasons. I wanted to talk about uh, pig production and uh, hear all about that. And hopefully one day we'll have someone on from, from all different sectors of farming. Um, the one you'll have heard last week was vertical farming. And uh, next week we've got a researcher in the dairy industry. So uh, really trying to branch things out. But Fabian comes with another message. And uh, I guess if you guys are listening on a podcast where there's no video, 
you wouldn't be able to tell that I have a beard the size of, well, my hair as well, too long, ridiculous. And you wouldn't be able to tell that myself and Flavian are of different skin colour. So that sort of speaks volumes in that you're listening, you've listened to us been talking, and you probably had no idea about that. And the reason, well, one of the two reasons we've got Flavian on is to talk about, I, would, I wouldn't say you had a term to call it, Flavian, what was it? It wasn't discrimination, but it was sort of, uh, what was the word? Oh, I can't remember. It, it, was, it was like light racism or something like that you said, but I can't remember what the exact term was. Um, come back to but me. anyway, yeah. what's that? It will come back to me. I yeah, yeah, no, no worries. Um, sort of the idea that racism is in farming, maybe it's not as intense as it is in some places, but it's, it's sort of an idea that a lot of us are maybe not aware of entirely. And, and to be honest, you know, hold my hands up, someone who researches the industry quite heavily and looks for diversity in every opportunity, I probably didn't know it as much as, as I should have. And uh, it wasn't until your story came up on that Farmers Weekly podcast that I was like, you know, what well, talk to this guy and I want to change along with you what's happened. So uh, you're much better versed to talk about this than myself, Flav. So what, what have you experienced? Tell us your story regarding that sort of thing. And yeah. So I'd say um, it's, it's one of those topics that when, when mentioned, people, people get it gets people's heckles up regardless and I don't understand I don't understand why because if we know it's a bad thing we know racism is not good or discrimination let's say even like for now because it's me talking and I'm black we can put it in brackets racism as a as a form of discrimination but if you zoom out a little bit it's it's uh, discrimination whether you're uh, sexism side, whether it's um, what gender someone is, sexuality, so many other things. And I think the reason it gets people's heckles up is because probably people know it's there. They don't know how to address it. And as that saying goes, the truth hurts. If you hear something that's mm -hmm. true, you don't know how to sort it out. It triggers you. So you either face it head on and try and fix it, or you get annoyed and walk away from it and hope it doesn't pop up again. But as we saw last year, in, it was everywhere. In the news after um, mm -hmm. the George Floyd incident. It, it, it put it on the map. Why it needed someone to be suffocated on, on a pavement for that to be on the map, I don't know. But it happened. Rest in peace, uh, rest in peace for him. And um, I like condolences to his family still a year on, uh, or nearly a year on. But I think it's it's an issue that, as from last year, you've seen I've seen more magazines, um, more things on social media, more people talking about it. It's good, but I think we've we've made a few steps forward, but we've still got a long way to go. I think. Um, so for myself, I would say I've been quite I've been quite fortunate not to experience any any sort of bad. Um, uh, bad experiences, I'd say, in farming. There are the casual jokes, which, as a younger person, I just used to take as as it is, as a joke, feeling like, oh, if I'm about the joke, then at least I'm getting in with the people because you're new to this industry. People are liking me if they're taking the piss out of me. But then, came last year, and you look at what's happening, and you're thinking, have I, have I sort of encouraged this 
inadvertently by not saying anything. And it got, it was quite a hard decision to make that from a certain point, I wasn't going to take it anymore. So be it a casual joint, be it something serious, I was just going to nip it in the bud straight on. And uh, I had tough conversations with friends, family, because like my mom and dad, they they didn't grow up here. They came from Kenya yeah. as adults. My sister came here, well, we came here when she was six and I was 15. So their outlook on, on the whole racism thing compared to ours as kids is different. So even at home, we're disagreeing on some topics because I'm like, I think this, I think that. They, they grew up in a black dominated community, whereas we grew up or started life there and then moved here and we were the minority. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, like I said, there was so many tough conversations had. Um, uh, I got a bit of backlash from an article I did for Farmers Weekly on Facebook, which I expected. And um, uh, some of those harsh comments, I, I found myself, initially it was a bit like, nah, they can't be serious. But then the more you think about it, the more it eats you. So my, my way of dealing with it is I screenshotted, I think, all of them. And I've got them on my phone. So in future, when things get moved forward or if I excel or whatever, I can look back on them and either use them as motivation or sort of see them as, oh, so-and-so said, because you're from this background, because you're this, this, you can't farm because of ABC, look at me now. Like It'd be like a, like a reminisce sort of thing. Because if I don't see it like that, then I'll just be sat there moping, feeling sad that, oh, I can't believe someone put a picture of a black pig there saying black pigs matter too, or someone says go back and live in the city with princesses, things like that, which in in reading it, it doesn't mean anything. But you just, if you were to look deep into it, you think what is getting, making this person feel that much anger by a black person being interviewed on writing an article from Farmers Weekly saying casual racism should stop in agriculture. So if someone agrees it exists, and someone is asking for it to be reduced, then why should it annoy you? That's the thing I don't understand. Or even if you look at the when Premier League started this or this season, and they were doing um, our people are kneeling in respect for yep. um, Floyd. I don't know why people are getting angered because when it like when it comes to um, uh, our people do like minute silences and stuff, you do a minute silence in respect of whatever you're doing a minute silence for and that's it. People sort of posting things on Twitter and saying, oh, I'm going to cancel Sky because Sky are condoning this. It's like, if you cancel Sky as a household of three in wherever town you're living in, I don't think Sky are going to feel the pinch. And I'm pretty sure the whole nation and sort of obduce enough to all say, oh, we're going to cancel Sky because Sky is supporting anti-racism. So it's just things like that. I don't understand why um, why the population or some people in the population can be so so triggered when when people are looking for equality. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, and to this day, it still doesn't make sense to me, and I don't think it ever will. Um, but I think we're still, like I said, we've still got a long way to go. Um, a lot's improved. Um, I'd say from my experiences like seeing on social media, I've seen the handful of non 
non-white um, uh, farmers I'm in contact with on social media, people are doing good things, education side of things. <clears throat> I've signed up to do um, uh, uh, farmer time with uh, Lee. So I've been, um, there's a school in London that uh, I've been linked to, hopefully in the springtime, um, we'll do sort of video calls like this. And I think my my main reason for doing that is when I went into farming here in this country, there was no black person I could look up to and say, oh, so-and-so has done this. Um, that's what I want to be like. And then as I started, uh, I think it was early, early, it was filmed early 2000, uh, The Black Farmer, based in Devon, I think. Um, I saw him, and that, I think, was the first first black person in farming in this country I saw. And he, I thought, oh, okay, so if he can do it, then surely I can. But then when you're always surrounded by people that are sort of English heritage, obviously, I'm in the UK, so that's not that much of a shock. Um, people are from farming families, so farms have been handed down to them, and things like that. You, all, you almost always feel that it's like it's all a dream. Like you can never achieve it because one, I'm not from a family background. Two, it's not going to be handed down to me because it's not been in my family uh, generation. Like my dad's a is a scientist. Uh, Mum's a nurse. My sister's doing um, fashion and art. So farming in my family, uh, my immediate family, isn't isn't a profession. I'm probably the first one. Um, I should do it as a professional. Back home, people do it as a form of life. Not you're not yep. farming for money. You've got three chickens in the backyard, and you might eat one on Sunday or get eggs. But it's more subsistence fun rather than commercial. So I think it, me doing the farmer time, it'll encourage any kids from back in. Um, uh, so many, so many acronyms. B-A-M-E, um, or is it B-I-P-O-C, P-O-C? I've never remembered it. I know B-A-M-E, but I can never remember that one. So kids from other ethnic backgrounds can see someone that looks like them in the industry because they see they see policemen that are black, they see firefighters that are black, they see teachers that are black, so those or investors. Their careers that they can, like, oh, okay, I can be an investor because I saw so-and-so as an investor. Um, the same color as me, or same look, or same background as me. But if you hardly ever see a farmer that's black or Asian mm. that looks like you, then how else are you going to see it as a viable career in the future? So hopefully, by me doing that, it can encourage um, yeah more people from my background and other ethnic backgrounds to get involved. Yeah, and you know, you said a couple of things there. Uh, Fabian, at the start, you said it really annoyed people that a black person was talking about this. That doesn't, it's a person, <laughs> you know, and that, that idea is the thing that's never made sense to me. And you're saying, you know, you see it in writing, it doesn't matter. And, you know, I think the way you've decided to deal with that's fantastic, you know, sort of leave it as if folk don't actually know you've got that, that proof there. And then, but it does matter. <laughs> you know, we talk about cyberbullying all the time and Personally, when I think of cyberbullying, I think of folk 10 years younger than me, you know, 14-year-olds uh, being nasty because someone asked someone out and, you know, that sort of thing, cyberbullying in my head. Yeah. But it's not. It's so much more. It's growing adults. Like, I don't like that this guy's doing well because 
of something that is so insignificant. And that—that's—that's that's what baffles me. Like I just don't. I—I—it's I, I, not one of those things, you know. I'm very much a let's consider let's consider everything. I, I'll often be the one in the conversation who's like, no, I get that. I don't agree with it. I get the reasoning. I don't get the reasoning in this one, <laughs> and I never have. And I know. And I think <laughs> it's. It's good to say now because it's, it's, it was in the news or on the forefront of stuff so much. I did like the things like um, like last month, the January, blah, blah, blah. The way media works now, if something is interesting, they'll talk about it for five or six months and then forget about it. It's gone. And I think even when when you look through some agriculture magazines, because I remember um, last summer me messaging someone and saying, look, um, we're trying to promote um, diversity in 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 agriculture of of personnel because the word diversity in farming now is like a buzzword, same as regenerative agriculture. You want to diversify everything. You want to diversify your crops. You want to diversify your business, your animals. When it comes to diversifying people, no one talks about it. Why? Mm. The people that are looking after all these other bits of diversification you're doing, you just want them to be streamlined or just. Caucasian or whatever, but whenever someone talks about diversifying personnel in agriculture, everyone just sort of gets a bit confused and like, oh, oh I'm not sure about that. Well, be it um, uh, sexuality, be it religion, any different thing that veers away from the uh, typical um, British farmer, so Caucasian farmer, anything that veers from that, surely that should be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember messaging someone asking that, what do I need to do for me to get, let's say, or not even just me, but a place of someone that's not from a white background to be put on your page to try and encourage it. And why do I have to do that? Mm -hmm. And I've got to the point now that I'm doing what I'm doing. I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm living my life. If someone is interested in what I'm doing, that's fine. I'll share it, i.e. like the way we're talking now. But I'll never go out to beg to be put up there to try and like promote black people in farming or whatever. I'll do it myself, like on my page and um, interact with people and show pig farming. But I think the whole thing of me having to message asking, oh, is it fine to include a piece there so you can sort of balance balance the colors or tick a box? No, I did that no. once to ask the question. And I, I got a weird feeling from it and I'll never do it again. Because I think it, when it's done like that, it's not being done from the heart of that corporation. Yeah. Because if, if, if you're saying that, let's say, Rural to Kitchen agrees on diversity. So um, be it race, be it sexuality, be it gender, that's blah, blah, blah. So if you agree on that and from the bottom of your heart, you're doing your podcast and covering all those bases, that's fine. If it was me to call you and say, oh, could I please be on your podcast so that you look like, like it's just not on. And I think there are still a lot of sort of companies out there that are doing things just to take a box. And yeah. for, like for the time being, it will look good, but people will see through it at some point. And uh, yeah, they'll just come across it really. Yeah, and, and you, you're, you're so right. I and mean, we hear so often about companies, um, sorry, small laptop, companies wanting to fill a position with, you know, insert 
demographic. Yeah. <laughs> someone yeah. who's someone who's disabled, someone who's from somewhere, someone of a different sexual orientation, someone of a different gender, that sort of thing. As you're saying, that is I don't swear on this page. So that that's absolute nonsense. It's yeah. it's absolute nonsense. You want a person to do a job, you want them to be the the pig stocksman, you want them to be the lecturer, you want them to be the whatever. You get the person who interviews and they're passionate about the job and they show that they're going to do it right. None yeah. of this. Yeah, it's uh, and I think also from uh, from that side, it's it's a case of yes, you have to try and balance things out and have the diversity side of things, but like you've just said, it's it shouldn't be a box ticking exercise. And I think in agriculture especially, it's harder to do that because people from different backgrounds and exposed to rural areas or agriculture can <coughs> be there. Yeah. So it makes it harder for these companies. I'm saying they're not doing it. It makes it harder for them to represent because there are not many people there, and you think yep. you just see the same faces getting getting rotated and circulated because there's not enough people. Um, and I think from uh, what I'm doing and what other uh, people from ethnic backgrounds are doing to try and promote agriculture, maybe in ten years' time we'll be seeing you'll open a farmers weekly or farmers gardening or whatever, and it won't be like where's Wally trying to find someone that's not white in the magazine. Because mm -hmm. at the moment, it is the case. There was one I was looking yeah. at today, you just flick through, no, 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 no. Yes, there's more, um, and there's more uh, ladies in magazines, which is, that should happen ages ago. Yeah. Why that even being, like the fact that I'm noticing that is even bad because why an industry has been seen as so male-dominated is a joke. But aside from that, like I say, it is definitely still a where's Wally. Um, yeah aspect uh i would do from uh, from different backgrounds and they are there like i've got a uh a couple adam and shanid who um do all side farm about half an hour from me and they're absolutely smashing it absolutely smashing it. i check them out on instagram they're doing right. really well um uh you've got Shout them out uh, if you wish see their see their app i'm happy if you do that yeah yeah their their app is at all side farm and then you've got uh, um, a guy called uh, Aaron Kennedy on Instagram as well. He's a black guy. He's doing really good too. So it's not that people aren't there. People yep. are there. But it's just that because if you use just a certain circle of people, you just go to every time, oh, we've got a conference. Get this person. We've got a conference. Get this person. You never um, take the, um, sort of are represent enough people. That said... I was quite lucky actually this year to um, uh, to be on the Oxford Farming Conference, mm -hmm. which that. yeah, I was, I was so excited about. Um, and yeah, the lady that uh, uh, heads it this year is called Barbara Bray, MBE. Um, she's a really interesting lady to, to talk to as well regarding um, regarding uh, sort of farming food security. Like you say, if that's the line you're going to. Barbara is a very good lady to talk to. Really? And, uh, I've been in touch with another um, uh, guy from an uh, ethnic minority called Thebe. He's a vet. Again, he's really uh, doing really good things to try and um, uh, promote diversity in the vet industry, which, again, is fairly, um, fairly uh, white-dominated. But, uh, yeah, I think... Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there one day. When, I don't know. But 
Yeah, and ho- hopefully stuff like this uh, mm. opens folks. Not even I'm not even trying to target folk that 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 aren't actively doing anything about it. They're just unaware. That I, and that that was myself. You know, I was in that bracket six months ago. I was totally unaware of it. I was cutting grass in, in my local village with my headphones on, and you're talking. And I'm like, geez, like I cannot believe this is occurring. But um, yeah, absolutely uh, great to chat. Uh, for the for the second time in, in half a year, Flav, I've really enjoyed it. Um, the in the, the in an effort to not go forever, we've we've gone for about forty minutes and it's absolutely flown by. I've really enjoyed it. Um, two questions really to 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 wrap things up um, mm. is one: where do you see yourself in five years? And two: if you had any tips for folk coming into industry, what would they be? And feel free if you want to sort of aim those tips at the the sort of the conventional not white male, I guess, um, that anyone who's coming in that, that that is, I don't like using the word different, but sort of term different, yeah. Uh, yeah, feel free to do that. So in five years' time, um, I'm hoping to have uh, set up a farming business somewhere where I can find land, I don't know, but when I do find it, uh, yeah, I'm planning to have set up a um, farming business with my girlfriend uh, and hopefully have a food venture on the side of that because I like I love cooking. Um, I started up a, a cooking page on Instagram in October, November. So yeah, follow you feel some recipes for mine. <laughs> really enjoying that at the moment. So I think if I can set up something where I'm cooking or selling produce out looked after myself or read or animals I've read myself, that would be my ultimate goal. Um, I need to sort of get my butchery skills up to scratch as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's my sort of five, uh, five year plan. Still be involved in pigs. And then the tips tips for young people and for me it doesn't matter what background they're from because at our age now, people that are ten years younger than us now when we get older, they'll be the ones in charge of what's going on. So yep. whether they're from white, Asian, black background, it doesn't really, it shouldn't really matter. Um, so I'd say anyone coming into farming, resilience is key. Like you need to be resilient. Both from if you're from ethnic minority, whatever you hear, let it go into one ear and come out the other. Like you just have to be thick, thick skinned. Um, you also need to always be ready to learn. One thing I found about farming is you always learn. Every day is a lesson. Like even 10 years in pig farming now, there's things I learn even today. So, or some people I've met that have been in farming industry 30, 40 years, you tell them something about, oh, I never knew that. So this whole notion that because you've been doing something for 60 years, you know everything, that's a joke. Every day is a lesson in my eyes. Um, so yeah, always be resilient, always be ready to learn. Um, and the farming community in this, in this country is amazing. Like what you see is what you get with most farmers. Um, uh, we like to whinge. <laughs> We like to complain a lot. If it's too hot, we'll complain. If it's too cold, we'll complain. Dry, wet. But farmers are generally some of the nicest people 
I've, I've met in this country. Uh, so if someone's willing to learn, you're going to get taught. But the first time I worked on, when I went on there, I was as green as a box of avocados. I knew nothing. I didn't know. <laughs> I was I was literally put in the workshop to sort out bolts. This is an M8, this is an M10, M12 and all that. And the farmers are so patient with me. If it was me, with younger me, I think I would have sucked myself you know, in a... In a <laughs> demoted myself but yeah they were so patient with me and um yeah i can never thank them enough so um yeah i think those three things resilience uh uh three things two things resilience eagerness to learn and um what was the third one i can't remember the third one now but yeah <laughs> two things resilience and eagerness <laughs> to learn. yeah yeah bro and, and that you know the eagerness to learn thing you said and you said you're still learning stuff today your mom and your dad and and everyone around you is always like when you're younger every day is a school day and you're like what a load of nonsense like once i finish fifth year i know everything you know yeah, um, yeah. and the more and more i think about it especially with this page when i'm trying to put out content there and talking about the majority of stuff i know about but like tonight i've learned probably four or five things you know and if you really really do go out and you want to learn you're gonna learn um so yeah i, I couldn't i couldn't back that up um anymore but uh, more, i guess sorry well one more tip hard working you have to be hard working as well yeah yeah but one thing farmers do not like is uh slackers <laughs> and i'm yeah. sure that's in many other industry whether it's hands-on industry like builders or whatever but you have to be hardworking. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to pick out like a sore thumb pretty quickly. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Hard work, eagerness to learn, and really? to forget. that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to be two out of three no matter what for some reason. Um, if you don't have anything else more you'd like to say there, Flav, um, I think that's a good time to kick it off. And uh, first off, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it muchly. Uh, it's good okay. to catch up again. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so thank you. Um, yeah, I hope um, that invite to Aran still on once COVID. Oh, <laughs> mate, it was, it was never off. Um, yeah, it was never off. I'd love to have a pint after. I've seen this actually to to Jim last week. Uh, he, he was he's in he's in California, and he was like, hopefully yeah. one day we'll have a pint in Scotland. And I'm like, yeah, I just want to catch up, meet folk, and 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 say hello whenever whenever this happens but uh, thank you very much to you come on and uh, to, to, to the listeners if you're new here uh, make sure to follow on Spotify subscribe on YouTube and, and check out Rural 2 Kitchen on Facebook and Instagram and if you're a sort of continued viewer I appreciate your support and uh, we will have uh, well my girlfriend actually next not next week but in two weeks uh, who is a researcher and I will not say the fancy words because I will butcher them. Uh, so look forward to seeing you then. Thanks, Flav, and we'll see you in a fortnight. Thank you. Thank you.